Well, good morning, Blueprint Church. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and your families. And we are glad that you are taking the time to worship with us online as we continue in our uh, Christmas series. Uh, for the past three weeks, we have been looking at the Christmas story from multiple perspectives. And we call this series Vantage Point because we want to look at the birth of Christ through the lens of real people. Um, to see what they could have been processing in the moment when they first hear the news about the birth of Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. And so the Savior who has been promised to come to save all people from all nations, this news has gone forth that he is now here. This long-awaited promise that the God of the universe would step down into his creation to take on flesh, he's um, finally here. Uh, he's finally appeared to his people. And so basically in this series, we have been looking at the birth of Christ through the eyes of people. And we've looked at the story of Christmas through the lens of Mary and Joseph. And today we're going to look at the birth of Christ through the lenses of the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 21. Which is a very interesting point of view, because out of all the people that God could have revealed himself to and announced the birth of Christ to, the shepherds were the most unlikely groups of people. These unlikely men were unexpected character to a great story that we didn't expect to show up. Have you ever watched a movie and at the end of the movie, there's the plot twist to the movie where at the end, there's this radical change and we didn't expect to happen. And so this is a plot twist to the Christmas story. Unlikely men, shepherds, were the first to receive this invitation to come see Jesus. And it's a really powerful story when you think about it because this invitation wasn't given to kings or rulers. It wasn't given to religious people like Pharisees or scribes or the high priests. It wasn't given to scholars or uneducated or educated men. It wasn't given to the wealthy. You would assume that when a prince is born, a royal invitation would be given to the most important people to come and to uh, worship. But we see that this invitation was given to common folks. Instead, we see that this plot twist, the prince of the universe is born, and the ones that are invited to come to this royal baby showers aren't these high dignitaries, but they were poor, lowly, common shepherds. And nowhere do we see that the shepherds were encouraged to change before they attended this baby shower. We see that they were invited to come just as they were. And so we look at verse 8 and 9. We're told that these shepherds were encountered by, they had an encounter from an angel. And these shepherds were keeping the night watch over their flock. And verse 8, out of nowhere, an angel appeared to them and invited them to come and see Jesus. And these shepherds were just minding their own business until God interrupted their lives. And sometimes in our lives, when we least expect it, God has a tendency of interrupting or even disrupting our lives, disrupting what we are doing. And when that happens, we should joyfully embrace these interruptions and we should joyfully embrace these radical shifts that God does in our lives, not as something to be frustrated by, 
We should invite those changes into our lives as something that God is giving to us as a gift, a loving gift from a loving God. And this is what the angels were saying to these shepherds. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. These shepherds were minding their own business and they had this unexpected encounter, unexpected moment that completely changed their lives. And think about the times when you try to plan out your life. You set aside dates, you set aside time, everything is structured, everything is very orderly. I'm gonna graduate at this age, I'm gonna get married at this age, start a career at this age, buy my own home at this age, start a family at this age. Everything seems to be lined up perfectly, but somewhere along the way, God steps in and he disrupts our plan. He adds this plot twist to our lives. And listen, God reserves the right to interrupt and change our lives. He reserves the right to change our plans. But when he does that, you will realize that his plans were better than ours. And so don't be afraid. And this is what the angels said to these shepherds. Don't be afraid. And could you imagine it's late at night. The darkness is thick. Nighttime was dangerous, not only for the flock, but to the shepherds themselves who were responsible to guard sheep. Anything could have happened at night. There are no street lamps. There are no flashlights for the shepherds to use. The darkness made it hard to protect the flock and protect themselves as well from predators or thieves. And so when the angel appeared to them, these shepherds were afraid because this was an impressive creature. It was late at night. And usually in the Bible, when angels appear to people, people would respond in fear. And now these angels appear to them late at night. And so these shepherds were probably thinking that their lives were in danger. And I want you to hear this. Worry and anxiety and fear can be very overwhelming when you're in the dark, right? When you're in the dark. And I'm not just talking about nighttime. I'm talking about when you don't know what's happening, when you don't know how things are going to play out, when you encounter unexpected challenges in your life, when you don't see your way forward, when you don't know which step to take, which decisions to make. When you're unemployed, when you get that test result and you just don't know if things are gonna be okay, it could be very overwhelming and sometimes paralyzing when you don't know what's going on and when you're in the dark or you don't understand what God is doing. And I want you to hear this promise from God in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. God says to us, don't fear, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And this is God's promise to us. He says, I am your God. I am your strength. I am your help. I will uphold you. So don't be afraid when you're in the dark. And in the same way, these angels said to these shepherds, don't be afraid because the presence of your God is with you. And so we read in verse 9, we see the presence of the 
God of the universe appeared to these shepherds. And the angel of the Lord says to them, right, the glory of the Lord has shone around you. And they were filled with fear, right? Not only was this large creature standing in their way in the middle of the night, now verse 9 tells us that they saw this ring of fire around them, surrounding them. And Luke says that this was the glory of God shown around them. The presence of the Lord showed up like a ring of fire. Now, I want you to put yourself in the place of these shepherds. You see a ring of fire around you in the middle of the night. And as you're guarding sheep, which is your job, most likely you are thinking that this is an army of people with light torches or torches of fire ready to come to attack. And so you weren't thinking that this was the glory of God. You were probably thinking that your life was in danger. But then even if you were thinking that this was the glory of God, that would give you, as a person who understands uh, 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 the history, Jewish history, that would give you more reason to fear the presence and the glory of God has appeared. And why is that? Well, throughout the Bible, we understand that the glory of God, this thing called the Shekinah glory, no one could see it and live, the Bible says. We read this in Exodus 19, when the glory of God descended on Mount Sinai, God told Moses, put a fence around this mountain to keep people from touching the foot of the mountain, because if they were to touch the foot of the mountain, that they would die. And then we also read in Exodus 33, 19, Moses begged God. He begged God, please show me your glory. But in, in verse 20, God says to Moses, man cannot see my glory and live. And if they do, they would die. And so what God did, God honored Moses' prayer. And he hid Moses between a rock and covered him with his hands and the shadow of God's glory passed by so that Moses could just see only a glimpse of God's glory. Because if he saw the fullness of God's glory, he would die. And so now these shepherds are now in the middle of God's glory, in the presence of God, in the presence of the king of the universe. And we know that when we step in the presence of someone who is great and powerful, there will be fear in us. And so they had every reason to be afraid because the glory of God meant that they were standing in the presence of the holy, righteous, and perfect God. They were standing face to face with God. And so we see that the most religious man, the most righteous man in the Bible that we know of, Moses, was not even worthy to see the glory of God. But now these shepherds who were great sinners, greater sinners than Moses, are standing in the midst of God's glory. Now, traditionally, shepherds were people who were considered outcasts, outcasts to society and also outcasts to religion, um, people who didn't belong. They were an outcast to society and they were outcast to religious people. They were considered to be bad people in society like thieves or prostitutes. Religious people viewed them too unclean to take part in any type of religious activities. They were uneducated men. They didn't know a lot about theology or 
the Bible. They were not church folks. They weren't perfect. And so because they were not perfect, they knew they weren't perfect. I'm sure there was some fear and some shame, some guilt to be in the presence of God. And some of us may have that same fear. Fear to come to church and fear to pray to God because it makes us feel uncomfortable because we know that there's something inside of us that is not right with God. Something inside of us all know that God is pure and we are not. And because we know that we don't deserve to be in the presence of God, there is some shame and some reservation that we have to come to the presence of God. But the good news is God comes to us. The same way he came to these shepherds, he came to invite us into his presence. And so we don't have to avoid God. We don't have to be afraid of judgment or afraid of punishment because he wants us. He is inviting us. You don't need to avoid God because you think that you're unclean or you're not good enough. He wants you just as you are. And so this is the plot twist to the gospel message. The unclean, unlikely, imperfect people like these shepherds were unwelcome by religious people, but a pure and a holy God welcomes them into his presence. That's the plot twist. You don't have to be perfect to be in the presence of a perfect God. You don't have to know the right things to say to pray to him. He wants you to come just as you are. And throughout the Bible, we constantly see how God chooses people who have no right, the unexpected, the unlikely to receive his favor, to experience his presence. And then we continue, we see in verse 10, the angel tells these shepherds, listen, don't be afraid. The presence of God is not to harm you or to shame you. It's to bring you a good news of great joy. The presence of God is to bring you a good news of great joy. And we see this invitation to be in the presence of God. It's not to bring shame, but to bring you to joy, a great joy that is unimaginable. And the reason that this joy, this, this joy is so great or this news is so great is because God is inviting a group of people who have been on the outside looking in their entire life to be the most important people, putting them at the top of his invitation list for the most important baby shower of all time, right? He restores dignity. He restores value to those whose dignity and values have been crushed by society or has been crushed by religion. And so he restores dignity and value to these shepherds. And so this is very important because we often forget that God likes to take people who are not perfect, people who don't always get it right, and do amazing things in them and through them. And so this is why this news is so great to these shepherds, because God wants them. He is inviting them. He chooses them. It feels good when we are chosen by someone. 
And it feels even better to know that the person that we are chosen by is God, is the God of the universe, the King of all kings. And that gives us great joy. And so even if your life is not perfect right now, even if we don't always get it right all the time, even if we still have some issues we are working through in our lives, and so no matter how far we may think we are from being the best version of ourselves, God is not choosing the fixed person, the fixed version of us. God is choosing you even with all of your flaws. And this is what the gospel is, the good news. God is looking for the imperfect, the sinners, the unclean, to show his favor, his loving kindness, his grace, even when they don't deserve it and they could never earn it. And so this is why this news to these shepherds brought them great joy, because they were being given favor from God that they didn't deserve. God chose them. He chose to love the unlovable. He chose to rescue the hopeless. He chose to show kindness to his enemies. He chose to encounter and bless those who were not even looking for him. The good news is for those who have been broken, people who have even broken God's law and have no means to bail themselves out, those who owe God a debt but don't have the means to pay, those who need a savior, those who couldn't save themselves. The good news is exactly what we all need for a savior is born to save us from our sins. And so when we see how much we need the Savior, the good news will be the greatest joy for us. And so we look at verse 10, the angel tells the shepherds to go to Jesus. Just go to Jesus. Don't go to anyone else. There's no one else that could that could satisfy. There's no one else that we can go to to give us this great joy. There's no other religion that we can go to to save us from our sins. Just go to Jesus. There's no amount of money that we can earn to give us this great joy. There's no amount of success that we can acquire. There's no relationship that we can have to receive this great joy. The angels tell these shepherds, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. And then the angel says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's for you this Savior was born. He was born specifically to save you. This gift is for you. This gift has your name on it. He was born specifically to come for you, to help you, to come to your need, to come to your rescue when you desperately needed him. We are made for him. Nothing we can do will satisfy our hearts or our longing unless we go to him because we were made for him and he was born for us. And then we go down in verse 12, the angel says, this will be a sign for you. 
you will find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. In a manger. Have you ever wondered, does God love me? How do I know if God loves me? When I wanted to prove my uh, love to my wife, um, my then girlfriend at the time, I wanted to prove my love to her. I decided I needed to buy her a ring. And not a ring from Walmart, but a ring from Zell's. But if I needed to buy a ring from Zell's, I needed to sacrifice a lot. And so I worked multiple jobs. I worked about three jobs. I barely slept. I barely ate. My meals were peanut butter and jelly for about a year. And I needed to save up a lot of money to buy her a ring to display, not just to her, but to others, how much I loved her. I sacrificed and worked a lot to prove to her my love with this ring. God displayed his love to these shepherds and to you and to me with this baby. And it seems so small, but it was so great. The angel said to the shepherds, you will find this baby, this small baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And a little baby wrapped in cloth, laying in a box where animals ate out of, doesn't seem like Zell's. It seems like Walmart. But to these shepherds who is believing in this coming of the lamb, now these shepherds were believed to be Levitical shepherds, shepherds who were responsible for guarding the sheep who would be used for the sacrificial lamb in the temple to atone for the sins of the people. And so these shepherds for years have been guarding these sheep that would be used to be sacrificed. And they've heard of this coming of this lamb of God. And so when they heard this, that this baby would be laying in a manger wrapped with cloth, immediately they thought of this coming of this Lamb of God. It reminded them of this prophecy long ago in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where it says, Therefore the Lord himself would give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And again in Isaiah chapter 9, for unto you, Isaiah says, is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And this is this baby. This child is more than just a regular baby. This child is more than a ring from Walmart. This child is actually God, the most expensive being in the universe, the everlasting father, the prince of peace has been given to us. And he has sacrificed it all for us. Philippians 2, verses 7 and 9, we see how much God has sacrificed to prove his love for us. He left his kingdom in heaven to come to an earth to be born in a farm. He laid aside his royal and divine clothes to put on flesh and clothes 
made by human hands. He laid aside his power to be born as a vulnerable baby. He laid aside his wealth in heaven to be born poor. He emptied himself of his glory to degrade himself of such shame on the cross, all to prove how much you are loved, how far he is willing to go, and how much he is willing to give up. And so these shepherds saw this lamb of God laying in a manger. This is the lamb that would be sacrificed for our sins to make us right with God. And the Bible says that without this sacrifice, without the sacrifice, there's no forgiveness for our sins. And so this is the lamb that these Levitical shepherds had heard about, were looking forward to, to one day be the great lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And now listen, not only will he be the great lamb that takes away the sins of the world, but he will be the great lamb that we will bow down to. And I want you to see the plot twist of this Christmas story. In Revelations 5, 6 through 14, we see that this lamb is now God. This lamb is God that we will one day see in the midst of the throne in heaven. He is the humble lamb now but one day in heaven, we will see him as the God who around the throne room, the living creatures and the elders, the voices of many angels, numbering thousands of thousands, will say with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. This is the Lamb. One day we will worship the Lamb forever. And then we see in Revelation 7, 19, this Lamb is also the great shepherd. The shepherd became the Lamb, and now the Lamb becomes the shepherd. And so in Revelation we see This is the great shepherd. In the midst of the throne room, he will stand as the great shepherd and guide his people to springs of living water and wipe away every tear from their eyes. Jesus is our great shepherd. He is the shepherd to guide us when we lack wisdom. He is the shepherd that would lead us to living water and quench our thirst and satisfy our desires. He is the great shepherd to protect us, to be our shelter from pain, to care for us when we need it. He is the great shepherd that would lead us to everlasting joy. And then we see in Revelation 19, 15, this lamb who is God, this lamb who is the great shepherd, Now we see the slam is the great king. He will appear as the conquering king, riding on a white horse. And this is definitely a plot twist. Could you imagine seeing a lamb riding on a horse? Crazy, right? He is not a lamb anymore, but he is a king. This lamb has eyes like flames of fire and on his head, many crowns. His clothes now are dipped in blood. 
and the armies of heaven are swaddled with pure white linen, following the slam to conquer his enemies. And we see on this white robe that the slam now is swaddled in, and on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And this is a picture that the slam who is now King of kings and Lord of lords will one day do away with all evil, do away with all injustice, do away with all sickness, do away with all diseases. He will come to execute perfect justice and make everything right again. All racism will be done away with, all cheating and scams, all drugs that's destroying our communities, all crime will come to an end. And then look how great this land is. Look how great he is to include you and me and his plans to make the world right. He says that you will be a member of his army and then you will be swaddled in pure white linen, which means that you will be clean, you will be spotless, you will be pure. All of your sins will be completely done away with. You would be forgiven completely and you would be made pure to stand with him. And so lowly, unlikely, unclean, undeserving shepherds will be made completely new and given the highest, given the highest dignity in heaven. And we will stand next to him. And we will proclaim to all nations, to all tribes, to all tongue, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those with whom he is pleased. And so I pray as you're listening now, you would feel the wonder of this, that God is inviting you to experience this good news of great joy and not based on merits, not based on things that we can do to earn it. We are all undeserving like these shepherds and in need of God's amazing grace. But then we see how God comes to us. He encounters our lives and he invites you to be with him. And he wants to display his great favor to you. And so my prayer for you this Christmas is that you would receive this gift. And this gift has your name on it. The king of the universe has offered you his lamb, Jesus Christ. Will you receive him and surrender your life to the lamb? Merry Christmas. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.